Eternity matters no matter how much you and I think about eternity. Eternity matters even more than we think. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do we treasure eternity with God? Those great words in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 17 and 18. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus also said, What shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, verse 26. Eternity matters. You and I will be somewhere eternally. That's a fact. Where will your eternity be? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives several parables. One is found in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And this parable is typically called the parable of the foolish virgins. Jesus tells the story about ten virgins who were all waiting for the groom to come. And five of them were prepared. They had plenty of oil for their lamps. Five were not as prepared. And when you think about eternity matters, here's what Jesus is trying to get across in this very first parable. Adequate preparation matters. If one is really going to have the proper attitude about eternity and eternity mattering, adequate preparation matters. I wonder how many people are going to just say, well, I just never got around to it. How many people are going to talk about faith? And I was going to come to Jesus. I was going to do this. I was going to repent of my sins. I was going to be baptized and have my sins forgiven. Adequate preparation for eternity matters. That's what Matthew 25, 1 through 13 says. Because let me just put it this way. The five foolish virgins were still moral. They were still virgins. They had made some preparation. They had a lamp. They had some oil. And not only that, they had some patience. They were waiting. 
In other words, in that parable, those that are foolish had some amount of preparation that they'd done in their life. But adequate preparation for eternity had not been done. If that doesn't get you, go to the second parable. Look at Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And Jesus talks about a man given five talents, and this is a vast sum of money. Another man being given two talents, a lot of money. A third man being given one talent by the Lord and Master. And they were to invest and bring return. Because the master's going to come back. Just like the groom is going to come to the virgins when they're not necessarily ready, at least some of them. So the Lord may come back. Here is the point. If the point of the first parable is eternity matters, so make adequate preparation, the point of this second parable in Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is this. Be good stewards of all of God's gifts because eternity matters. Be a good manager of all of God's gifts because eternity matters. When I think about stewardship, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 1 and 2, if a man be a steward, he must first be faithful. We must manage what God has given us. I think of the big four. God has given us time. God has given us talent. God has given us finances or material things. God has given us life. To manage our life, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 1.21 For me to manage my time and talent and my finances, my material things, to show that they've been given to me by a great God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew 6.33 Be good stewards of God's gracious gifts because eternity matters. That brings us to Matthew 25, 31 through 46, which is really the passage we're going to focus the most on this morning and this evening. And here's what Jesus is getting at when he talks about the time coming when he'll come back in all his glory and he'll separate the sheep from the goats. Look at Matthew 25, 46. The contrast could not be greater. The contrast is between eternal punishment and eternal life. 
What's the point about what he's talking about when he comes and separates the sheep and the goats? And what's the point of what Joe was reading for us when, when Jesus brings up six areas of life? I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you made me feel welcome. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. And there's a big contrast between the sheep and the goats. To the sheep, he says, and as much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. To the goats, he says, and as much as you did it not to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Let's just let the parables and the stories build up. Eternity matters and adequate preparation matters for eternity. Eternity matters and using our God-given blessings to show love for Him matters. Eternity matters and relationships matter. That's verses 31 through 46. Relationships with God matter. And relationships with other people matter. And the problem the goats have is they do not see how both are true. The relationship with God matters, and the relationship that we have with other souls matters. You got that? And so much so, what the Lord focuses on, and think about this, what the Lord is focusing on in 31 through 46 with the sheep and the goat are pretty much what we would consider to be little things. He's not asking to us, although this will be included, do we preach the truth, Adam? As important as truth is, what he's wanting to see is how truth is applied in loving God and loving others. And the goats had a pattern of missing golden opportunities while the sheep, it was just part of their DNA spiritually to love others because of their love for Jesus. Now stop and think about that. Put yourself in the sandals of an individual that Jesus is speaking about here. I was hungry. Will somebody please feed me? I was thirsty. Man, what I'd give for a glass of water, a bottle of water. I was a stranger in an area 
and you welcomed me. You made me feel like I mattered. I was not properly clothed and you helped me. I was sick. And you let me know that you were thinking about me and asked if I needed anything. I was in prison and you visited me or showed care. What is interesting to me is that the sheep do not remember when they specifically did that to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why. They were so natural in doing it. It's just who they were. I think the church needs that message, don't you? And on the other hand, the church needs the message of the goats. Because you can be just as sound as a dollar used to be. You can be just as solid as a gun barrel made by a master gunsmith. But you can also be just as empty inside. Nothing's in the chamber. Relationships matter. Relationships with God. And Jesus puts it this way in his word in 1 John 4, verses 7 through 11. He that does not love does not know God. He that does not love does not know God. By Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Brother Terry, you'll like this one. Mark in your Bible, Luke 16, verses 10 through 12. Because he who is faithful in little is faithful in much. And so they were faithful in the small things. Little things matter, especially to somebody that's hungry, that's thirsty, especially to someone who's a stranger, especially to someone who's not got adequate clothing or sick or in prison. Now what I want you to know is this. One of the things that fascinates me about Matthew 25, 31 through 46 is that the judgment day will be full of surprises. The judgment day will be full of surprises. That's clearly taught in the passage that we had read by Joe a few moments ago in our scripture reading. They're surprised. When was that you, Jesus? But the judgment day will be full of surprises. Let me share with you briefly and quickly seven. And we'll continue our study of this passage from a slightly different angle tonight. But it's so rich we need to think about it. And if you've only been with me so far and paid attention and you're thinking about checking out, please don't check out yet. 
But even if you do check out, I want you to think about eternity matters so we better make adequate preparations. You got it? Eternity matters so we better utilize the gifts and blessings God has given us, all of them to the best we can, to show love for Him. And that eternity matters because relationship with God and with other people matter. The first and second commandment, Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Now, some surprises. In the first place, many will be surprised at the reality of the judgment. Many will be surprised at the reality of the judgment. Think about atheists, those who claim to know that there is no God. Think about agnostics, those who believe you cannot know whether or not there is a God. Think about the worldly, people who have just gotten so caught up in this world, they basically think at the end of life, that's all there is. There's no more. Think about those that believe in reincarnation, that when you die, you will come back in this old world as someone or something else. Many will be surprised at the reality of the judgment. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14, a book written by a super achiever in life who ended up being super disappointed because he was trying to live his life as if there were no God. He says, No for this God will bring you to judgment. And will judge you for all that you do. For every secret thing. And everything we do, whether it's good or bad. Again, Ecclesiastes 13 and verse 14. It is appointed to a man once to die. It's a familiar passage. Then what? After that, what? The judgment. Hebrews 9, verse 27. The fact, the reality of judgment will be a huge surprise to many. Well, you can sit back and say, well, it's not going to be a surprise to me because the Bible plainly teaches it. I know that in John 5, 28 and 29, the Bible says, marvel not at this, for the hour comes when the Son of Man, He'll come. And all that are in the graves will hear his voice. And the righteous will come forth to the resurrection of life and the unrighteous to the resurrection of condemnation. All that are in the graves. Well, if a person understands the fact that judgment is coming, adequate preparation ought to be made. Adequate utilization of God's blessings and gifts should be used to express love to Him. And relationships ought to matter more than anything, for Christ is our life. Colossians 3 and verse 4. 
Secondly, it's going to be a day of surprises. Not just the reality of judgment, but the one who will be doing the judging will surprise many. Inasmuch as God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through the one that he has ordained. Acts 17, verses 30 through 34. Jesus. By Jesus he will judge. Acts 10 and verse 36. He is the Lord, the righteous judge. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. And just as those who are atheists, you know, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, Psalm 14, 1, or agnostics, we are without excuse to not know something about God's existence, Romans 1 and verse 20. And those that are worldly love not the world or the things that are in the world, the world will pass away, 1 John 2, 15 through 18. Well, you get here, some are going to be surprised at the judge because they thought Jesus only to be a mere man or a good moral teacher or they did not believe and embrace his message. They thought he was just a mere man, a good moral teacher. They didn't embrace his message. Christ has become the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. Hebrews 5 verses 8 and 9. Surprises at the judgment. Here's something else to consider about the judge. It's really common to hear this nowadays with the rise of pluralism. That there's many roads, that there's many paths, but they all ultimately lead to the same place. Heard stuff like that? You just go your way and I'll go mine. You abide by your truth, I'll abide by mine. And we're all going to the same place. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me, John 14, 6. Jesus had this said about him by the apostles. There is salvation in no other. There is no other name given among, uh, under heaven among men whereby we must be saved, Acts 4, and verse 12. Some are going to be surprised to see the one with the nail-scarred hands and feet being their judge. Just look at Matthew 25, 31, and it blows your mind. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory... With all his angels and sit on his glorious throne. Jesus is saying to these Jews, think about them as people who didn't embrace who Jesus was when he came initially. Many of them didn't. You didn't accept me because when I came, my coming was humble. I was born in Bethlehem of Judea and you were looking for glory. You want glory, I guarantee you when I come back you'll see glory. Mentioned specifically in Matthew 26, 31 twice. 
It's a passage that ought to make us think. Brothers and sisters, we have an advocate with God. So says 1 John, Jesus Christ the righteous. And there is something marvelous when your judge is also your defense attorney. Third, surprises at the judgment day, many will be surprised at the time of the judgment. Many will be surprised at the time of the judgment. Although Jesus said concerning the time of his second coming and the judgment, no one knows, Matthew 24 and verse 36, it's amazing how many people have tried to determine at least a close proximity to that time. That they've got some idea about maybe when, that various signs are going to come to pass. You know what the Bible really says about the second coming? It says when Jesus comes, he will come like a thief in the night. Think about that. 2 Peter 3, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter, uh, uh, 2 Peter 3, verse 10, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 4. Someone's going to rob you. Do they, they send you a note? Of that day and hour knows no man as a thief. It just happened. Suddenly. That's how the second coming of Jesus will be. Now turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 26. Because there's a lot of people who, who seem to think that when Jesus comes, he's going to come to establish a kingdom here in this world and that it might be a thousand years or so in literal duration. But 1 Corinthians 15 is rather plain in saying, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 26, that when Jesus returns, he is not going to come to establish a kingdom, but to deliver the kingdom to the Father. Notice also the terminology. This is described as then comes the what? End. And then he talks about giving the kingdom to his father and everything being subject to God. Everything. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. It's going to be a big surprise to some people to think that there's going to be a whole lot of things going on here because the kingdom's going to be delivered. Things as we know them will cease, will end. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Fourth. Surprises. Surprise. The purpose of the judgment will surprise many. 
The purpose of the judgment will surprise many. Think about this one with me. The judgment is when the judge will sentence each of us. And we'll either be among the sheep, the saved, the goats, the unsaved. The purpose of judgment is sentencing. When a person dies, I believe they got a fairly good idea where they're going to be eternally, don't you? And actually, often even before. The Lord knows them that are His. 2 Timothy 2.19 In other words, the Lord knows if your name's written in His book. He knows if it's not. And John 3.18 and following speaks of those that did not believe. And they loved darkness more than light. And they chose condemnation over salvation. The purpose of the judgment will be surprising. People won't have a whole lot to say. We do know this, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And I'm going to stop here. The day of judgment will be a surprise day to many because they were unprepared. They were inadequately prepared because they just didn't think about their gifts from God and using them to His praise and honor and glory. They didn't think about how important the relationship is with God and with other people. I have said many times you will never look on the face of another human being who does not matter to God. Matthew 25, 31 through 46 makes me want to practice that better. Amen. Because when I see other human beings, I have to reflect on the fact that they have a creator and sustainer. Even if they don't know it. And that is God. Matthew 25 is powerful. When you stop and think about it, it is the last sermon of sorts that Jesus preaches before the cross. Just before he went to the cross, he was teaching us a 
about eternity mattering. I think I'm on pretty safe ground to talk about it on Sunday morning, don't you? If you're not a Christian, don't wait. Eternity's real. Through faith and repentance and baptism, have your sins washed away by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus. Be added to His church. And I hope that as individual Christians and as a congregation, we will pray more like this. Help us to be adequately prepared for eternity and do everything we can to encourage others to be adequately prepared too. Help us to use your gifts and blessings to show that we love you and to honor you and to not love your gifts and blessings more than we love you. Help us to relate to others in a way that reflects our relationship with you. lot to think about. Let us stand and sing.